Movies and Booze. I'm Moncrief on News Talk. It is time for uh, Movies and Booze. Uh, we are joined by Leslie Williams, Fanula Jones, and Brian Lodge. Good afternoon to you all. Hello. Good afternoon. Hi. About your respective things. Uh, so, Brian, we'll start with you. What, yep. what movies are you going to talk about? Uh, I'm going to be talking about The Wonder, uh, which is the uh, Florence Pugh film. She was over last week for the premiere down in Dublin. Uh, I'm going to be talking about My Father's Dragon, which is this beautiful uh, animated film from Cartoon Saloon that is on Netflix. And I've actually completely blanked on what the third film is. You've got it. Inf- what? The Watcher. The Watcher. Yeah, yeah, Watcher. Yeah. Which is not the Netflix series with Naomi Watts. This is a kind of a, I guess, kind of like a, go- a glossy thriller with Micah Monroe that's uh, set in Romania. Right, okay. And the, Flor- the Florence Pugh one, I saw a clip of yeah. it there. They're like serious beard action for a lot of the characters. Oh, yeah, yeah big beard, yeah. yeah. Big, big beard. Um, it's directed by Sebastian Lelo, who's kind of known for making really kind of art house dramas. And like, to be fair, like, it's kind of brave of uh, Florence Pugh to take on something like this because like, she's the most famous actress in the world. And she's doing this very kind of small Irish uh, art house drama set in, you know, pre uh, post famine Ireland about, you know, uh, very kind of dark stuff. Like, and like, you know, she was in Don't Worry Darling like only a couple of months ago, but like Harry Styles and all the rest of it. And now she's doing these kind of like small little art house dramas. So it's very cool. Okay, right. Okay, so uh, Leslie, uh, yeah, yes. uh, people have already been poured a glass of something sparkling. Yes. Uh, right. What is that? Uh, so this is Blanquette de Lemou, um, which is uh, rare. But, well, rare, relatively uncommon, uh, least found, um, sparkling wine from the Languedoc, um, from the town of Lemoux. Um, this is, well, they believe it, and most people believe that this is probably the first sparkling wine ever made, uh, long centuries before Champagne, uh, partly because of the mosaic grape that's made in this, um, which that this is made from. Uh, mosaic is this rare grape. You only find it in Gaillac in the southwestern France, east of Bordeaux, um, and you find it in Lemoux. Um, it ripens late, so frequently it would, um, as the cold weather hit in in December, it would stop, the, the alcoholic fermentation would stop because of the cold weather, and then in the springtime the weather would warm up and it would start to ferment again. Around the time they were starting to bottle it, so they would let a little bit of fizz go off and then they would bottle it with the fizz. And so bottle it, and it would continue to fizz in the bottle. Right. Right, so like a pétillon naturel, pet nat. And so basically, it, it, anyway, these days they've modernized the process, and it no longer is sort of cloudy and stuff, and they make it like champagne. Um, and it's sort of pear and apple. It's a very fragrant grape, and I think it's an underrated gem, and it's, um, it's, it's an interesting. And well, so how much older would it be than champagne? Well, you see, <clears throat> champagne... Um, I mean, can I just dispel a myth? There's a certain champagne you've probably all heard of, an expensive one, Dom Perignon. Um, he did not invent champagne. That's a myth that Moet put out for some bloody reason. Um, he, in fact, he did everything he could to stop champagne getting fizzy. That was considered a disaster if the wine fermented in the bottle. Oh. Um, what he was famous for was organising the vineyards. He ran the Abbey, Abbey's wine, basically, and so he just organised vineyards, um, how to prune, how to basically manage a vineyard, and that's why he became famous because he was just really good at that job. He was a gardener. Basically. Yeah, yeah okay. Totally. Um, but anyway, so that champagne was only really... The first mention of sparkling wine is in The Way of the World by, by William Congreve, the um, restoration comedy. Um, so that, that mm-hmm. was when it first became famous. And the reason for that was because the English had bottles strong enough to hold the fizz. The French didn't. And so it would just explode, basically, you know. Um, okay. On that, but the guys in Lemoux, what they were doing was letting it almost fizz out. Because when you make wine, I mean, it's, wine is very simple. Um, the, the yeast eats the sugar and the resultant the, the, the bit that happens after that then is carbon dioxide comes off and if you trap the carbon dioxide then you've got fizz in your, in your wine so but if you let most of it 
ferment off and then you just a little bit of fizz left in the bottle when you put the cork on it won't explode and that was what they used to do and they used to use it for flask supposedly i mean um, there's a couple of other reasons in france claim that they were the first but it does seem that Le Moumai was probably the first. Um, so sort of 17th century was when the rest of the Champagne world sort of started appearing. Okay, so the Le Moumai... These are about 200 it... years earlier than that. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so 15th century? 1530 or so, yeah. And who'd, who'd be drinking it then? Well, I mean, it was, well, it was the monks in the abbeys yeah. that we had it, and they would be selling it to, giving it to visitors who would call to the uh, estate and so on. And, uh, and it was available around the Languedoc. It's a really nice part of the Languedoc. It's one of the cooler parts of the Languedoc. I mean, as in colder, I mean, which is good for this uh, grape. Mm. Um, for making that kind of wine, because as you say, you need to have it, you know, get stop fermenting in the in the in the autumn or in the winter, and before it re-ferments in the in the spring. Um, so um, it's it, it's quite a pretty place because you're up high. Um, it, if you think of the Languedoc as being kind of low-lying and warm and hot, this is actually quite up a, up a mountain, basically, well halfway halfway up a mountain. So it's a really pleasant place to go. Okay. So, yeah. so, the, yeah, so the monks had a really nice gaff in a nice yeah. part of France and were making their And own we're making sparkling wine. wine. And, uh, yeah, uh, sweet yeah, deal. Good, it? Yeah, yeah, very sweet yeah. deal altogether. But I hope people like it. There's a lovely creaminess about it that I like. There's a kind of a softness about it and a fragrance. Mozac is actually hated by a lot of producers down there. So I should mention there's a creme on de Lemoux, which means you don't have to use Mozac. If you're calling it Blanquet de Lemoux, you must use and Blanquette just means little white one in the Occitan language, so, or in, 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 so, um, and it's a local name for Mozac. So basically, if you, were, if you want to make the Cremant, which is more like Chardonnay-based, then, then which is like Champagne, um, you can do that, but you call it Cremant versus Blanquette. Right, okay. There you go. Very nice. Right, so, Fanula. Hi. Uh, half the things you're going to talk about today are all spin-offs. Yeah, spin-offs and castings. And in a few weeks, you we can talk about spin-offs of spin-offs. Spin-offs of but, spin-offs, yeah. yeah. But first up is a spin-off of A Quiet Place. Yes, this the horror like movie. A, an even quieter place. An even quieter, <laughs> yeah. Get quieter. Um, yeah, it's A Quiet Place Day 1. Lupita Nyong'o's just been cast in it. We kind of know nothing about it other than Michael Sarnowski is directing. He did Pig. Um, and it's going to focus on, obviously, because it's called Day 1, it's going to be the day that the alien got there and obviously started wreaking havoc on society. This is the alien that's blind, but is really sensitive to sound for anyone who hasn't seen A Quiet Place. But also Isn't that a kind name, of a so. spoiler for the... If you watch this and you haven't watched the movie, then you've, like, the, the movie... I, yeah, but, like, you're, you're kind of watching to be scared. You're watching for everyone being really quiet and then the monster coming out and just screaming at everyone, you know? That's yeah. why I watched the first two. Yeah, and, and where is this going to... Uh, appear it's in cinemas i think it's oh there. right it's okay. 2024 so but we know like we know nothing else about the plot like we're we're obviously assuming that the family that is followed in the first and the second movie isn't going to be a part of it hence uh, lupita's casting but yeah i think it'll be good i really liked quiet place and i liked the sequel yeah yeah, too, yeah. Well, yeah. so did i but at the same time there's an element of Flog. Well, yeah, there flogging is only... a death horse. Yeah. Oh, horror, like. Yeah. Horror, like, they're just they're always going to flog it. Like, I mean, look at Halloween, like... Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, how many films did I get? Like, yeah. nine, I got nine. Uh, <laughs> see. I knew. I, I knew you there. Yeah, it was a yeah, question. Right, and there's going to be a WandaVision spin-off. Yes, uh, this is all about Agatha. It's Coven of Chaos. That's coming to Disney+. Plus. We got a lot of casting updates this week as well. So Aubrey Plaza is joining probably see her most recently in the new White Lotus which I have not seen yet but it's supposed to be very good um, and again like there's very little details but it's just following Agatha being a witch and usual, usual Marvel hijinks Emma Caulfield Ford is reprising her role of Dottie and then we have Joe Locke who people will know from Heartstopper and Netflix he's also been cast but we don't know in what capacity so and we don't know if this is before WandaVision, after WandaVision, is it a I'm universe? not 100% sure on this. And the thing, I actually really liked WandaVision as a non-Marvel head, but the timelines yeah. just I know, it was threw nuts. me up yeah. in a huge way. So I'm not 100% sure on that. 
but I just love Catherine Hanna. It Walker. was kind of nice if you gave up and said, I have no idea what's going on here. Ex- which is yeah, exactly what enjoyable. I did. Yeah, and just, just surrender to it. Yeah, yeah, lean into them and their cute relationship and the funny little TV bits. I had no idea who anyone was, but I had a great time. Uh, but they don't know when, it, they haven't said when this is starting or what, no, what it's going to be. No, I don't think so, no. You see, maybe they just announce these things for the crack and then they just don't do anything about it. Well, I think it's good, it's good timing as well with Aubrey Plaza being so prominent in White Lotus and her performance getting yeah, the reviews that it is. Yeah, I haven't watched either. I'm kind of saving them up. Well, yeah, I'm the same. Yeah. No, don't, nobody tell me what happens because I'll be cross. Yeah, Please. I'll ruin that. Movies and booze on Moncrief on News Talk. And you are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. Coming to you today from the Gammons Hotel in the heart of Galway City with thanks to our friends in Marks and Spencers. 53106 is our text number. If you'd like uh, to get in touch, it will cost you uh, 30 cent. Uh, is uh, Laura Moran in the audience? Oh, God. Hi. Hello, Laura. How are you? How are you? Uh, are you well? <laughs> who, are you, who are you with here today? My husband, Porik. Right, okay. Porik said she's going to kill me. Okay. <laughs> and uh, are you, um, are you, have you celebrated anything recently? Um, our daughter moving out, finally. <laughs> oh, that deserves a round of applause. Did she, uh, did, like, did she get her own place or, or, or how did it work out or did you just like pretend you weren't home? Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was, she came home just pre-pandemic and um, mm-hmm. she was with us and so she's nearly pushing on 30 so we said, this, you know, she finally, finally made the move so she's just after moving out. So Laura's right, only hope. 21 so she... <laughs> right, okay, that's good to know. Uh, and but, but, so I, you don't see her as much now, would that be the case? She's just down the road, and uh, she's home every day, <laughs> uh, washing everything still, still from home. <laughs> everything, everything is normal. Right. Okay. No, no change. Right. So the only difference is the bed is in a different exactly, location. Exactly. Right. Yeah, the bed is in a different okay. place. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, to celebrate that, we're going to give you two tickets to Paolo Nutini at Malahide Castle on June the sixteenth. Oh, brilliant! Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you. Don't tell her you're going. Now, uh, Bird on the Wire is a collaboration between the Dingle singer Pauline Scanlon and the Galway band, the Wileways, where they reinterpret the songs of Leonard Cohen. Uh, they're playing in Leisureland uh, in Galway tonight, uh, along with uh, a rake of other places. I'll read out some of those uh, after we've uh, had a chat. Hello, Pauline, how are you? Hi, how are you? Yeah, the, why, why Leonard Cohen? Because I think a lot of musicians might think that, you know, that's a bit of a scary one because people know the song so well. I know, and the, the songbook is so extensive and so mm. rich, and I mean, they're just the most gorgeous songs in the world, really. So. Yeah, so, yeah. but, you know, I, 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 has the reaction been, that's not the way let her to do it, you know, and that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, entirely, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, not that at all. No, I think it's like um, the, the gigs tend to be a really good hang with uh, all the people who love those songs, and when we do them, we try to stay in some ways true and kind of faithful to original arrangements and that, but also do something a little bit of our own to them as well. So it's, yeah, it's a yeah. nice hang with the people who like yeah. those songs. I imagine, though, uh, playing in Galway is pushing out an open door uh, for the Leonard Cohen songs. Uh, so, <laughs> you would uh, think, you'd hope. Yeah, think so. It remains yeah, to be hope seen. So. Well, we'll find out. They will, uh, I bet you Leisureland will be crowded tonight. What are you going to sing for us first? We're going to sing Suzanne. Okay, I have to take it away with Suzanne. Suzanne, 
takes you down to a place near the river. You can hear the boats go by. You can spend the night beside her, and you know that she's half crazy. But that's why you want to be there, and she feeds you tea and oranges that come all the way from China. And just when you mean to tell her that you have no love to give her, then she gets you on her wavelength, and she lets the river answer that you've always been. With your mind, and Jesus was a sailor when he walked upon the water, and he spent a long time watching from his lonely wooden tower. And when he knew for certain, only drowning men could see. He said, "All men will be sailors there until the sea shall free them." He himself was broken long before the skies would open. Forsaken, almost human, he sank beneath your wisdom like a stone. To travel with her, and you want to. 
touched your perfect body with her mind. Bird on the wire there. Uh, they will be playing, as I said, in Leisureland uh, tonight in Galway. They're also November the 10th in the Olympia in Dublin, November the 12th in the Ulster Hall in Belfast, December the 15th in the Watergate Theatre in Kilkenny, and December the 28th in the INEC, INEC in uh, Killarney. Thanks a million, lads, and we will be uh, hearing from them again uh, later on in the show. Uh, in the meantime, Leslie, tell us about wine number two. So wine number two is, uh, I should mention, by the way, all these wines are from the Found Collection, which is the thing that Marks and Spencer's have introduced, um, which I think is kind of cool because it's grapes that you're not going to find in conventional supermarkets. So the first one had mosaic in it. It was 15 euros, by the way. We didn't mention that, I don't think. Uh, this is ferment. Um, so ferment will not be a grape, any of you know, unless you've been looking at Hungarian wine shelves. And we don't usually have a Hungarian wine shelf in, in Irish uh, supermarkets or shops. Um, you, will may, you may also, though, have heard of uh, Tokai, which is the sweet, um, delicious dessert wine that mm. literally lives for um, centuries. Um, that's made mostly with ferment. Um, and so that's what this is. Um, and you will get dry versions in, in independent off licenses, but it, there's only like two or three in the country that I know of. Um, so it's just great that they, they've introduced this. It's 12 euros. It's all sort of peachy, floral, fragrant, um, nice bit of weight to it. It's textured. Um, and then also this lovely acidity. And that's exactly what you need for a sweet wine as well. Oh God, everybody got food. I know, I was thinking mm, the nice. same thing. Yeah. I can smell it. Yeah. I'm listening, I'm listening. Yeah. <laughs> would go particularly Ooh, yeah. well with the, the sliders. Like, yeah. The sliders, yeah. Mm, yeah. Very nice. So, uh, so uh, continuing with the spin-offs, Vanilla, uh, there's going to be a Penguin series. Yeah, but we knew about this. It's yeah. Colin Farrell, because uh, he was like, the Penguin in the new Batman movie yeah. with Robert Pattinson as the Batman. Kristen Malati just got cast as part of it. She's that play. Uh, you'd know her from Black Mirror. She was in Palm Springs kind of recently with Andy Samberg. Nice little movie. She's been in loads of things. Fargo is another one. She's she very was good. a mother in How I Met Your Mother. Yeah, Spoilers. yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> Spoilers for a show that came out and went. I know, Laura. I know. <laughs> anyway, uh, she's just been cast. She's going to play Sophia Falcone. So she's the daughter of, like, you know, the way if for people who've seen the Penguin, he's like this right hand man to this henchman, uh, Carmine Falcone. So she's the daughter. Uh, was previously played on screen by Crystal Reed in the TV series Gotham. If anyone watched that, mm -hmm. but again, otherwise we have no idea plot wise or anything like that. But I'm just excited for it. this is the year of Colin Farrell. This is the year, year or two of Colin Farrell. I'm very excited for it. Yeah. Uh, well, he wins an old Oscar. I, really. I think, yeah. he sh uh, having mm. seen it now, I think he should. Mm. He's better than Brendan Gleeson in it. Yeah. That's not that Brendan Gleeson is bad, uh, but he. No, but, you know, you'd have to be really good. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Right. Okay. We'll do our first movie. Uh, this one is The Wonder. Here's a clip. Anna O'Donnell doesn't eat. If a patient in the hospital refuses to eat, we use force. The girl is not to be forced. Nor interrogated or badgered. But she is also not to be denied food should she ask for it. The girl has lived miraculously without food since her 11th birthday. Miraculously is not how she's done it. The purpose of the watch is to determine exactly how Anna O'Donnell has survived with no food. So you want us to watch her? Yes. On the 14th day, you will each present your separate testimony. How long exactly has it been since the last time the girl ate? Four months. 
That's impossible. God, you'd be starving. Uh, you wouldn't <laughs> want to bring her in here. I know, yeah. Sliders <laughs> and everything. Yeah. Temptation! So this is obviously set in Ireland. Yes. Around the famine, after the famine? After the famine, 1862, right. yeah. And there's an interesting kind of dynamic in it as well as the fact that Florence Pugh is the only English person in it and she's come there to essentially disprove this, you know, miraculous thing that uh, Killian Lord Cassidy, she's the young woman um, who's done all this. Um, the director of this is a guy called Sebastian Lilo. He did a film a couple of years ago called Disobedience. Uh, if anyone saw that, it was Rachel Weiss and Rachel McAdams, and it was about this lesbian relationship, but set inside of uh, Orthodox Jewish community in New York. And like, he's very good at kind of setting stories inside of very kind of Orthodox, per, um, patriarchal societies and that's mm. what you see there like it's literally two women and one of them happens to be a nun facing a group of men who are kind of setting the rules of all this um florence Pugh is the best thing about this film i would say she is absolutely incredible just gives it a really really committed performance like i was saying earlier this is very much a narrative drama and i don't think i'm giving anything away because this literally happens in the first 20 seconds of this film it opens on a soundstage it actually opens, ah, right. yeah. Okay, and breaking it's, down the fourth wall kind of thing. Exactly yeah. that, yeah, that's it. It's really kind of trying to, I guess, sort of make people aware of the fact of this is a story. And it's really, the film is about stories and the idea that like people can tell themselves narratives to sustain themselves. And, you know, the community that's kind of rallied around this young woman, they need hope because obviously it's set, you know, 20 years after the famine, the worst excesses of it. And they're all just basically hanging on. And they need a miracle to kind of keep them going. And they think that it's all kind of rests upon this girl, that like she could possibly be a saint, the first Irish saint in like, I don't know, however many years. A week. I'm a Protestant, yeah. like, I don't know. So yeah. like, this is all just double Jesus, you qualify to review this film at all. <laughs> and like, a lap, very, very, very lapsed, like practically oh, an atheist. Yeah. Like, so, well, a yeah. Protestant is basically an atheist. Kind of, yeah. yeah. It's like enough yeah. religion. It's yeah. enough religion. Yeah. Like, it's just bite-sized amounts. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, Florence Pugh is the best thing about this film, I think. Um, Neve Algar, fantastic in it as well. And she actually kind of, we were talking about Fourth Wall, she actually addresses the audience in that opening segment where it's set inside the mm. soundstage. And then she then like literally has this scene with Florence Pugh where she's like digging turf or whatever and talking about how kind of hard her life has been. And then she literally just like looks right, bam, right down the camera and says, you'd be hearing from me again. This is what stories about. And yeah, like it's kind of funny the first time you see it, you're like, what? But it's it kind of plays into, again, the whole kind of art house thing, the idea of story and narrative or whatever. Um, this, I mean, from I haven't read the book, but I know people who have read it, and they've said it's not one of M.O. Donahue's best works. Mm. So, and that kind of plays into the film as well, because the film is a little bit thin. Is probably I'm not trying to be funny, like it's a little bit thin. <laughs> no, but like as are most of the characters. Yes, okay. <laughs> but it kind of is because, like, as soon as as soon as like the reveal happens and you figure out what's going on, then it's just like, okay, right, well, what happens now? And it's like 25 minutes of just waiting for the inevitable to happen, mm. and then it kind of does happen. Um, I mean, I enjoyed it. I don't know if it's for everybody, but I do think it's worth seeing for Florence Pugh, just giving a fantastic performance. Yeah, is it in cinemas? It's in cinemas now, yeah. and then it'll be on Netflix next week. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that's how that's quickly the they're doing do it. it yeah. Blame Netflix. Blame Netflix. That's what they're doing. Like, it's the same with My Father's Dragon. It's in cinemas today, and then next week it's going to be in cinemas. So, like, go to Palace, 
see it there. It's worth seeing in the cinema. Like the cinematography is fantastic. It looks gorgeous, but like yeah, you've got a week basically, and then it'll be in cinemas. Okay, well or we all Netflix. Yeah, well right. We all need a few minutes to book our cinema tickets. Movies and booze. I'm Moncrief on News Talk. You are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. Coming to you today from the Galmont Hotel in the heart of Galway. Uh, with thanks to our friends uh, in uh, Marks and Spencers, uh, Leslie and uh, Fanula and Brian are still with us uh, up on the stage. Harrison Ford is going to be in a Marvel thingy now. He sure is. It was a matter of time. Uh, he's actually taken over. I would from imagine the time is somewhat limited in his case. Really. <laughs> oh my God! Not to be ages, but you know. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is tipping on, I suppose. But he's busier than ever because he has the new. Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones, I was forgetting the name. He has that reboot with Phoebe Waller-Bridge and now he has this and there'll probably be 85 more Star Wars and they'll bring him in for some of them. I don't know. Yeah, but he's he's actually taken over the late William Hurt's role as Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross, which means nothing to me. We remember that well, yeah. don't we? Yeah. Um, so he's going to be in the 2024 like Captain America sequel. So this is Captain America New World Order. This is starring Anthony Mackie. But I don't think he's going to appear in anything else. There's like another sequel movie that kind of brings together like a load of Marvel anti-heroes which he falls into but he hasn't been cast in that so as okay. of right now they'll probably add him I don't know Okay. unless he dies as you're wishing seemingly no I'm not wishing I'm just you know he just looks a bit frail so yeah. but he'll turn up like, the, like yeah. the thing of it is he'll turn up for literally one scene set the whole thing up and then he'll just disappear like, that's and how make a gajillion dollars oh yeah yeah make silly money out of it but that's okay. it he literally just turns up and is like okay Thunderbolts are going after <laughs> this and like bye bye and he just collects like a million. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Would you be Gen Z now? I, I've tried to Google this a lot. I don't think, I think I'm millennial, so, but right. I'm cuspy millennial. You're cuspy millennial? Yeah. Because you're like, you have crumbs in your phone. I was wondering, is that a Gen Z thing? <laughs> I just <laughs> have kinda, burgers! Yeah. Sorry! But yeah, you're saving it for later. <laughs> <laughs> no, it happens to me because I get crumbs in my beard and then no one tells you. It being Ireland. You know, you're going around with half a burger stuck in your chin. And well, thanks, no one I suppose. <laughs> Except for me. On Just said it live on air to a yeah, room of people that. as well. Appreciate it. Um, where's Fiona Cronin? There she is. Hello. How are you? Good. Are you well? Fiona might be the smartest person here. Ooh. Definitely not, no. What, tell, us, tell everybody what you're doing your PhD in. It is in the development of the nerves of the gut. We're looking at it in a rat model. So you're looking at rat guts. Yeah, really. yeah. Yeah. This is a very are you enjoying your age. food now, are you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and what will looking at rat guts kind of tell you, hopefully? Um, so we're looking at it in really early development. So basically the, the kind of tissues that it interacts with as it's developing. And yeah, um, there's a lot we don't know about the gut, you know. So. Right. And is this all for rat health? Because we're all very concerned about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, you know, we'll start off by looking after the rats and then we'll, we'll move on into, into humans. I mean, there's... A lot of congenital disorders, some people are born without nerves in their gut and, and things like that, so it'll hopefully inform us of, of things. I'll, I'll basically add like a tiny bit into that puzzle. Right, okay. That's, and when, will you be, when do you hope to be finished? Oh, God. Funny no that. No pressure. So I should have finished at the end of October, but, you know, COVID happened. Mm. So, um, so this is October a couple of years ago. <laughs> <laughs> no, just a few weeks ago. I'm oh, only a right. week or so overdue. Okay. So I should be finished. Ah, hopefully, yeah. Next yeah. year, for sure, yeah. And your partner is a brain researcher? <laughs> I did such a bad job of explaining this. James is also a PhD candidate, yeah, and he's looking at brains and MRI machines and... Yeah. So I get, I get caught here. Yeah, stiffness of brain tissue making... Uh, stiffness maps. 
a brain tissue. What the hell is that? Yeah. So the idea is that a, a tumor would be kind of stiffer than the regular, regular surrounding tissue. I shouldn't have had the wine before talking, but okay. uh, you know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so we can send uh, sound waves through the brain, and they'll go faster through the stiff t- tissue and slower through the softer stuff. Oh right, and you'll go. That's a that might be that's something that dodgy might be there. A tish- uh, tumor, oh my yeah. gosh. So, like, do you live together? Not to pry. Yeah, in Galway, yeah. Yeah. So, like, is there, like, rat guts on one part of the centre? Absolutely, yeah. Just brains on the other? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Working on uh, sheep brains as well. Yeah. Halloween must be a hoot in your Fantastic. Fantastic. (laughs) Anyway, we're going to give you uh, two tickets to see Codaline in Musgrave Park in Cork on June 23rd. (laughs) Uh, Congratulations to you. Uh, And best of luck with uh, with the PhD. So, our third wine. Right. Leslie. I've just been looking, trying to figure out how to pronounce this next word. Yeah. Um, the, so this is um, another found uh, wine, found series wine, and uh, again, 12 euro. Uh, Alicante Bouchette um, is the uh, grape variety. So um, this grape is originally from France. It's a, now, what's interesting about this is it's a Tenturier grape, right, mm-hmm. which means it is red-fleshed. So if you press Pinot Noir or Cabernet Sauvignon, you'll get white juice, hence um, sparkling champagne is made with Pinot Noir. Um, but you press this, you get red juice. So this is a hugely popular grape um, to blend because it adds weight and depth and because it's dark, dark, dark juices. Um, you mostly find it in Portugal, which is where this one's from, um, but you also find it around Madrid in some of the sort of interesting places there. It's particularly good if it's old vine. So if you ever see old vine, Alicante Boucher, uh, it's, it's actually well worth, worth a look. Um, this is it's always juicy. It's always really fruit-driven and juicy. You don't usually see it as a single varietal like this. It's usually part of a blend. Um, it's really common in pretty much all the blends of Portugal. Especially in Alentejo, which is, um, well, this is from Lisboa, which is just north of Alentejo, but basically just south of Lisbon. Um, and, uh, and it's just bright, juicy, fruity. It's really fruit driven. And if you like this, you'll pretty much like any of the Portuguese wines that they have in MS mm. because it's, it's that classic soft, soft flavour. Quite different to Douro, which is much, you don't get it in Douro wines. It tends to be southern Portugal, not, not in northern Portugal. Um, they tend to be firmer, more long lived. This is one for drinking juicy, drinking fruity, and um, you can even chill it down if you yeah, want. Yeah, you can put it in the fr- yeah, yeah you totally that. could. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, that's, that's very nice. Yeah, right. Well, move on to our second movie then. Uh, yes, Brian. Uh, I suppose that's, uh, uh, let's talk about uh, uh, the, the cartoon salon movie. Yeah, My Father's Dragon. It's My- absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, okay, here, here's a clip. My father was born a long time ago. Morning, everyone. He lived in a world that seemed like it would go on forever. Times got hard. Elmer! And he was a child like any other, prone to scraped up knees and flights of fancy. Why is everything so hard? This is where I can help. You were kind to me. I'm going to return that kindness to you, Elmer. Just sitting there on this little tiny island, an amazing, spectacular, real life. Dragon? <laughs> yeah. There you go. That's uh, My Father's Dragon, made by uh, Kilkenny's own cartoon saloon. Uh, again, this is one of these in the cinemas right now. Blink, and it'll be on Netflix. Blink, and it'll be on Netflix. But yeah, I mean, I would again, I would really, really recommend seeing this in the cinema because the colours are so gorgeous. Like, I mean, if you've seen Wolf Walkers, if you've seen The Secret of Kells, if you've seen Song of the Sea, you will know that Cartoon Saloon, they really do have a, an incredible sense of colour and kind of 
texture and structure. I mean, it has a lot more personality, I think, than a lot of like Disney stuff. I mean, I've heard people compare them to um, uh, Studio Ghibli and stuff like that, and I do think that's a, a very, very good comparison. Like, it is our Studio Ghibli. So what's going on with this one is it's based on Ruth Stiles Gannett's book from like the 1930s, but this has a bit more of a kind of an ecological disaster kind of thing going on. Uh, the young kid who you heard there, he's played by Jacob Tremblay. People will know him from Room. Um, he decides to run away from home after his mom has lost their store and he, you know, kind of can't take it and runs away. Ends up on this wild island. It's literally called Wild Island. That is... <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, let's see. Yeah, okay. Okay, yeah. whatever. It's a kid's book. Come on, yeah. Yeah, so basically, uh, this dragon uh, played by Gaten Matarasso, who people will know from Stranger Things, he has to lift the island up, literally physically lift it up by flapping his wings and lifting it up. Um, Ian McShane plays an ape who has been leading all the inhabitants on the island. He wants to capture the dragon. Jacob and Gaten, the you know, the dragon and the, and the little kid want to run away from the island and then there's sort of an adventure thing going on. I love this. I thought this was fantastic. I mean, I think it is a little bit more uh, kind of on the nose than previous stuff that Wolf Walkers has done because, or that Cartoon Saloon have done. Because, like, Wolf Walkers, for example, was about, like, Cromwellian Plantation and stuff like mm. that. And really, really heavy stuff. Song of the Sea was about, like, depression and all the rest of it. But, again, dressed up in this kind of Celtic myth- mythological kind of thing. This is... Again, based on a kid's book, and you know the 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 storytelling is a little bit more kind of obvious, I guess, but still fantastic stuff. Still way way better than you know ninety percent of like kids stuff at the minute, like Peppa yeah. Pig. But will kids like it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. No, I mean it's funny. It's definitely funny. I mean, Chris O'Dowd is in it and he's hilarious. He plays this like really high strung ape that's just like screaming and everybody and all this kind of rest of it. He's very, very good at screaming. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I enjoyed it. It's funny. It's definitely funny. And I mean, I think the two voice actors, um, Jacob and Gaten, have a real, there's a real sense of like dynamic between them. I wouldn't be surprised if they actually filmed it together and were bouncing off each other and all the rest of it. Um, yeah, but I enjoyed it. I mean, I do think kids would enjoy it, definitely. Yeah? Okay, yeah, because, you know, sometimes, you know... Yeah, it can be very... Films, yeah, 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 totally. Know? Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. Like, and there are, there are definitely some animated films that are made precisely for, you know, the parents to feel better about what they're yeah. showing the kids. Like, oh, no, your kids, you'll get this. This isn't that. I do think this will appeal to kids. Um, but, yeah, I mean... I think anyone who enjoys a good story, I think we'll get something out of it as well. Okay, okay, that's good to know. Right, uh, we do have to take a a commercial break. Uh, They're going to give away money uh, in the next couple of minutes. So we'll... No, no, none of you are getting it. Uh. Movies and booze on Moncrief on News Talk. Uh, In the meantime, uh, where's Louise Hennigan? (laughs) Hello. 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 Hina uh, oh, sorry, I got your no name problem. wrong, Hinahan. Sorry, I pronounced it wrong. Uh, you're off to uh, yeah, uh, Louise is fancy. She's going to Bordeaux soon. Yes. Uh, I am at the end of the month. Yeah, and is it a, like a wine thing? Well, we'd like to do a little bit of wine tasting. We're a bit shy about tasting our wine. Yeah. Why That's why we're here today. I'll come with you. <laughs> you're in Galway. Why would you be shy about drinking something? <laughs> yeah, so do you want to ask Leslie any questions? Yeah, just any nice tips, somewhere to go, uh, any it? recommendations? Absolutely. There's a, well, there's, first of all, there's the City of Wine, which is this huge wine extravaganza where you can basically go and learn exactly how wine is made and so on. Um, if I was you, I'd take a trip. Take a trip out to Santa Mion. It's one of the nicest little villages on earth. Um, a little touristy, but it is touristy for a reason. It's just beautiful. Um, here's a top tip. Any wine village you go to, don't go necessarily to the producers necessarily. If you, well, you can, but there's a Maison du Vin 
in each village. Okay. So Santa Mion has one, Margo has one. Okay. Um, one of the nicest trips you could ever do is a drive up the D2. So you head up from Bordeaux up the Medoc and you will pass through Poyac, Saint-Julien, Margo, Saint-Estef, and you will pass by all these amazing chateaus which are literally falling onto the road almost. They're so huge. Um, and it's just one of the most dramatic um, things. That, that's one thing I would do. But the Maison du Van is the easiest thing. Um, okay. The Thanks. best place for wine drinking in the place, there's a few wine bars. Don't go to Gordon Ramsay's place, it's dreadful. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, but La Tupina, I think it's called, um, is, is kind of the traditional place that we all go. And there's a foie gras um, in a pan that they do and have that with some sauterne. And ah, oh, it'd be great. It'd be great. Okay, brilliant. Thank you very much. Yeah. I look forward to it. Thank you. Great. When are you going? At the end of the month. Right. Okay, fantastic. And you're, you're, a, you're a blown, though. You're, you're, from, you're, you're a dub originally. I'm a dub. South yeah. Dublin. And how long... Oh, ooh. Uh, and how long have you been living in Tume for? How long am I, oh, my God. Uh, I'm with a man 16 years, but COVID kind of made me move a bit more permanently to Tume. Right. <laughs> for my sins. Okay, so you're a, you're a recent blown, then. Very recent blown. And how are you finding it? A little... It's fine. <laughs> Different. <laughs> I have my family and friends yeah. in Dublin. <laughs> it, it's fine. Are you planning on going back there tonight? <laughs> oh, next weekend. Yeah. Next weekend. Right, yes. Maybe maybe stay up for a while. You know what we're going to do? We're going to give you two tickets to go and see Westlife. Oh, wow. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Thank okay, you. if you enjoy that sort of thing. But there you go. Congratulations to you. Right, uh, we have uh, one more movie to um, uh, talk about. Is yeah. this... Uh, I forget the name of it now. Uh, Watcher. Watcher, okay. Which is not the Netflix series, yeah. um, The Watcher. This is Watcher. Watcher. Um, okay, I think we have a clip of Watcher. Hey. What? What's up? Nothing. There's this guy that lives across the street, and he's always looking over here. Looking over here how? Every time I look over there, he's just standing in his window, and it's like he's staring right at me. Which window is it? Right there. I can't see anything. Because it's day. He only looks in at night? I can only see him at night. Doesn't mean that he's not... You know what? Forget it. Right, there mm. you go. That's Watcher. Okay, yeah. it wasn't, that wasn't an action-packed clip. No, it's least. not. No. I mean, it's a very kind of... It is a very, like, slow-build, tension, atmosphere, psychological thriller. It starts off kind of like Lost in Translation. Uh, Michael Monroe, who you saw there, and Carol Glusman, they arrive in Bucharest. He's got a new job. She doesn't have any job. She's kind of hanging around their very chic apartment, and then she decides to kind of wander around the city. She doesn't speak the language, but he does. She just feels more and more sort of alienated, and then discovers that there's this character right across the road from her is staring in at her. Now, I mean, I was watching this and I was like, I mean, do they not have cur like curtains in <laughs> Romania? To close the curtain and like, it's a lovely apartment. I mean, don't get me wrong, it is gorgeous and like light-filled and all the rest, but just pull a curtain, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. 
Anyways, um, so it's really, the film is about kind of like female anxiety and the idea of like she, you know, feels tense all the time and no one really believes her and then she's kind of gaslit a little bit because it's like, oh, you're just imagining it, you're just imagining it and all the rest of it. Um, the director of this is a woman called Chloe Okunu and this is her first film. It's really, it's a very, very good looking film. Like it's really slick, it's gorgeous, kind of has lots of... Um, like real kind of like fashionable moments and all the rest of it, like the clothes she wears are always really elegant, the production design is all really good. But the story itself is very, very basic, like it's so, so basic. You can tell exactly what's going to happen if you've seen enough of these. I mean, it's already kind of like reference and, you know, Alfred Hitchcock, Rear Window, that kind mm, of thing. Yeah. But, I mean, I did enjoy it. I think Michael Monroe is brilliant. I mean, if anyone, she was in a film a couple of years back called It Follows, which was fantastic, this brilliant, brilliant horror. Um... And I think the director is going to go on to do great stuff as well because she's clearly got an eye for aesthetic and setting and tension and all the rest of it. But the script is pretty poor. And I think if she was given a better script, she would have given a better film. But this is just very, very predictable. Is it a thriller? Yeah, it's a thriller. But, I mean, it's more kind of like you're like, oh, God, what's that behind the corner? Oh, God, what's that over there kind of thing? It's more kind of jump scares, I guess. Right, okay, rather than a, a slow feeling of dread. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, like, I mean, yeah, exactly. Like, it has a bit more sort of like, bang, something happens. You're like, oh, God, what's that? Um, yeah. Rather than atmosphere, if you know. Yeah. Um, but it, it is good. I mean, I just don't think it's worth, you know, I don't know if it's worth going to see in the cinema. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, It'll, I mean, if, put it this way. If you saw that, if you turned it on your whatever your streaming services, you'd probably have a grand evening with it. I don't know if you'd be making the trek to the cinema for it. Put it to you that way. Oh, God. That's it's a, good. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not saying it's terrible. I'm just saying it's good. You know, it's yeah. three stars. Like, it's fine. Like, yeah, it's, it's a bit crack. of crack. Yeah, exactly. You see, the thing is, though, is like that uh, of the three movies you've talked about today, yeah, two the other one yeah. will, will be in the cinema along with in five minutes. Yeah, I know. Yeah, well, blame Netflix for that. Blame, you know, studios trying to get everyone into stay in their homes and saying cinemas go to a cinema there are loads of other films out as well it's not just these three there's loads of other ones as well yeah Plenty. but is this film so crap it couldn't get a netflix deal is that what we're talking no about? actually yeah. funny you should say that in the u.s it's on that thing peacock like and it went to that straight away oh right okay yeah. oh we don't have peacock here not yet anyway do we not i thought we had it on one of them. is it okay well it's not on peacock here then there you go Okay, but it's on Sky or something, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. something. Yeah, I know you can watch Colombo on it in the US. That's the only way I know Peacock. But um, yeah. yeah, no, I mean it's no, I mean if anything, <laughs> it's funny you say yeah, that. Like you're saying that, like oh, it's it, is it is it so good that it ends up on Netflix? Generally, is the case that Netflix buys kind of like the stuff that nobody else buys. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like there's a lot of like Netflix is like original films or ones that couldn't be sold to anyone else. Like like there was that one a couple of um or last year, The Girl in the Window, I think it was called the one. With Amy, Amy Adams. Adams, oh yeah. my god. Terrible. So bad. So bad. so bad. And that one was like passed around like a hot potato to all the studios. I think I think it was Paramount, I want to say, or Searchlight had it first, and then they were like, yeah, we're not releasing this, and they sold it to Netflix. And Netflix are, again, because they have all the money, they're just buying everything, like. Yeah. But they didn't buy this. Okay. And then, like, to be fair, like, I mean, don't get me wrong, <laughs> this is a good film. It's just, if you happen to see it online, you probably have a better time with it. I don't know if it's worth making the trek out to cinemas. Because cinemas are expensive now, and we're in a cost of living crisis. Yeah, okay. You know? Thank you, movie reviewer, for giving that thumbs up. Do you want me to, to be uh, honest, or do you going? want me to be polite? Like, well, which is it? Make a choice. <laughs> the, uh, uh, and the, the, uh, to give the, the full... Uh, the full set of spin-offs and, uh, and remakes and adaptations, The Day of the Jackal now. 
Yes, uh, Come to Sky TV adaptation for anyone that's not familiar. It's the 1971 book. Uh, one of the best respected kind of British novels ever follows this professional assassin contracted by a French paramilitary dissident to kill French President Charles de Gaulle uh, coming to Sky at some stage TV adaptation as I said from Game of Thrones director Brian Kirk we have an Irish fellow involved as well Ronan Bennett he's on as a showrunner but he's usually a screenwriter on Top Boy if anyone's watched that another Netflix uh, thing we've no idea of when we'll get it but Sky have said it's going to be kind of this bold contemporary reimagining of the novel but I feel like that's what everyone says about everything so we'll, well of course it is just yeah. have to and see, yeah. uh, it would be very bold if somebody tries to assassinate Charles de Gaulle yeah. in 2022. Exhume him, shoot him. Let's kill him. We, machine. Weekend at Bernie's type, you know, yeah. stay at the jackal. With the little we know he's really dead. Uh, the, uh, the, Galway is the sexiest city because if you were marooned in the wild Atlantic way, you'd be Clada of a Galway girl or boy. Oh. Oh. Sorry, it's killing me as a Mayo person to write this, but I'd still love the hotel break. That's from Anya in Mayo. So you are the winner of the hotel break here in the Galbant Hotels. Congratulations to you. <clears throat> That's our lot, I'm afraid, uh, for today. Thanks, of course, uh, to Leslie and Brian uh, and Fanula. Movies and booze. I'm Moncrief on News Talk.